0: Church, we are in Jeremiah chapter 2, Jeremiah chapter 2, and verse 11, I'll show it to you here in a second. There it is. Jeremiah 2, 11, a message I've entitled, America Return, America Return, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 11, please stand together with me out of honor to God and his word as I read Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 11. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Thank you. you may be seated. Looking at this patriotic weekend, this 4th uh, of July weekend, looking at America return. Now, a man was arrested for being a Russian spy. He asked why he's been arrested. The interrogator says, Now just drop the act and admit you're a spy. The Russian says, I'm no spy. I'm an American, and I can prove it. He went on to name all 46 presidents in order, all 50 states and their capitals, and quote the national anthem, the Pledge of Allegiance, the Declaration of Independence, and the preamble of the Constitution. The interrogator says, now we definitely know you're a spy. And the Russian finally admits he is a spy, but he wants to know how they could tell with all of his extensive knowledge of America. The interrogator says, that's what really gave you away." Americans don't know all that stuff. (laughs) Let's look at America return. First of all, by looking at exchanging. Exchanging. Judah had the true God at her founding. She was founded on the covenant at Mount Sinai. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 through 8, which flows into Exodus chapter 20, which gives us the Ten Commandments. And so uh, Judah was founded on the covenant at Mount Sinai. And Israel then followed God throughout the wilderness for direction. Followed God through the wilderness for provision. Followed God through the wilderness for protection. Followed God through the wilderness for worship. They were God's special ones set aside for Him alone. Deuteronomy 7.7 says, The Lord did not set His love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for you were the fewest of all people. Yet Judah, we read here, exchanged her true God for false gods who weren't really gods at all. Well, think about America. America had the true God at her founding. The American Revolution was ignited and fanned in church pulpits like this one. Benjamin Franklin suggested congressional prayers as they were trying to put together the Constitution. Uh, He said this, I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers, imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessing on our deliberations, be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to officiate in that service. Our founding fathers were godly men who founded this nation on godly principles. Think about our founding document, the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence mentions God. It mentions our Creator. It mentions the Supreme Judge. It mentions divine providence. And consider these quotes from our founding fathers. George Washington said, It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. He went on to say, To the distinguished character of a patriot, It should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of a Christian. John Adams, our second president, said this, Our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Thomas Jefferson, our third president, said this, The God who gave us life gave us liberty. He went on to say, Can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people, that these liberties are the gift of God? And then James Madison, the father of the Constitution, he said this, We have staked the whole future of American civilization not on the power of government, but upon the capacity of each and every one of us to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. And then he went on to say this. The future and success of America is not in this Constitution. Remember, he's the father of the Constitution. The future and success of America is not in this Constitution, but in the laws of God upon which this Constitution is founded. America had the true God at our founding. But just like Judah, America has exchanged the true God for other gods. We have systematically eliminated the true God from our culture. We have invited every false religion to participate. Christianity, you're not welcome. Any other religion, you're welcome. We have also made our own false gods. The God of wealth. The God of convenience. The God of sports, even. We are also replacing the true God with no God at all. Atheism and agnosticism is on the rise in America. The Barna Research Institute concludes that each successive generation is becoming less and less religious. Now, no God in the home and no God in the school means there's no God in our children. And no God in our children means we are only one generation away from complete secularization of our culture. Abraham Lincoln said this, the philosophy of the classroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next generation. And so we see Judah exchanged their false gods, or their true God, for false gods. And we see America has done the same thing. But secondly, I want us to look at forgetting. Also from Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 32. Jeremiah writes, Can a maid forget her ornaments, or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number." Judah had forgotten God. Not only did they exchange Him, they forgot Him. And here Jeremiah exposes the foolishness of forgetting God. Can a girl forget her jewelry? No. Can a bride forget her wedding dress? Of course not. Well, America is forgetting God because America is not acknowledging God. America is forgetting God because America is not acknowledging God. History is either being rewritten or is not being taught correctly at all. Our founding fathers are shown to be white slave-owning invaders instead of the Christian men that they were. You said, "Well, Pastor Gary, our founding fathers—some of them had slaves." Yes, they did. But do you realize our founding fathers wrote the elimination of slavery into the Constitution? Okay, but what about that three-fifths clause? What about that, where they were saying slaves are only three-fifths of a person? That's not what the Constitution says. I know that's what you've been told. That's not what it says. The Constitution says three-fifths of slaves were counted for the purpose of representation and taxation. It does not say that slaves were three-fifths of a person. And this was radical because slaves weren't even considered persons by most people, just property. You know, slaves were referred to as persons in our Constitution, recognizing their humanity and recognizing their value. Nobody ever said they were three-fifths of a person. Only three-fifths of slaves were counted for the purposes of representation and taxation. You want to read it yourself, Article 1, Section 9. I'm not going to read it for you, but here it is, from our Constitution. Notice what it says. Slavery was only permitted in the original 13 states, not any new states. The slave trade only was permitted until 1808, 20 years later, after which slavery could be outlawed. And take a wild guess what Congress did on January 1, 1808. They outlawed slavery, just like our founders intended. Not only that, slavery could be taxed by Congress in order to discourage its continuance. And so you've been told our founding fathers were white slave-owning invaders. Yet they were Christian men who who founded a Christian nation on Christian principles. Were they perfect? No, they weren't. But they were men of God. Judah forgot her God. In America, we are forgetting the one upon whom we are founded. We have many so-called founding fathers. I've shared with you quotes from them already this morning. But we have only one founding father, God. We've not only forgotten that, we've forgotten the one who provides for us. Abraham Lincoln had this to say. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. And here's the problem. When we forget God, we forget his commands. When we forget his commands, our society will crumble. Do you need proof of this? Do you need me to show you? Can you not read the newspaper yourself or watch the news yourself? When we forget God, we forget His commands. And when we forget His commands, our society begins to crumble. The sacred was forgotten first. In the removal of prayer from many public arenas, not just school, but many public arenas, prayer was taken out. And then they decided to remove the Ten Commandments from public property. And then they even removed Christmas Stores now sell holiday trees and holiday gifts. Children at at school celebrate sparkle or winter festival. Not only that, but a while back, the introduction of sports and sporting events on Sundays, they didn't used to do that because people were thought to go to church. So the sacred was forgotten first. Then the secular logically followed. Sexual immorality, adultery, fornication, homosexuality. Let me tell you, homosexuality really bothers me because the soldiers who gave homosexuals their freedom, they get two days out of the year on our calendar. Memorial Day for those soldiers who died and Veterans Day for those soldiers who are still living. But these prideverts get an entire month, an entire month. And the soldiers that gave them and us our freedom get two days. And think about this. If not for the God-designed heterosexual relationship, They would not even be here to celebrate anything. Well, the secular logically followed the sacred sexual immorality, theft, murder, whether it's gang murder or abortion, covetousness expressed as legal gambling, lying, dishonoring parents. We've not only exchanged the true God for the false gods or no gods at all, we've forgotten God, just like Judah did. They exchanged him; they forgot him. But here's the thing: God does not forget His people, and neither must we forget Him. He does not forget His people, so we must not forget God. And so we looked at exchanging, we looked at uh, we looked at a replacing. But thirdly, I want us to look at returning. Returning. Is there any hope for America? Is it too late to return to God? We must confess our sin. To To return to God, we must confess our sin to God. Jeremiah, once again, look at Jeremiah 14, 20. We acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against thee. And so to return to God, we must confess our sin to God. Notice from this passage, we must confess our personal sin to God. We must confess our generational sin to God. It says the iniquity of our fathers, our generational sin. We must confess our national sin to God. And we go on to acknowledge our shame and confusion. Jeremiah, once again, Jeremiah 3.25. We lie down in our shame. And our confusion covers us. For we have sinned against the Lord our God, we and our fathers from our youth even to this day, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. We must acknowledge our shame and confusion. Like what, Brother Gary? Like promoting gender dysphoria. Like the inability of learned people in our nation to define male or female. The perversion of the rainbow. God had the rainbow first. Read about it in Genesis chapter 6. To return to God, we must confess our sin to God. And secondly, we must repent of our sins to God. We are in dire need of national repentance. I don't think anybody would disagree with me in the room. We are in dire need of national repentance. But hear me. We are also in dire need of ecclesiastical repentance. Ecclesiastical means the church. yes, we need national repentance, but we need ecclesiastical uh, repentance. American churches are the hotbeds of wickedness today. American churches are supporting every ungodly and unbiblical perversion that society has to offer. You can find a church that supports it. Yes, we need national repentance, but we need ecclesiastical repentance as well. If we want to return to God, we must confess our sin to God. We must repent of our sins to God. And then, and only then, we can claim this precious promise from God in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Once we confess our sin to God, once we repent of our sins to God, then we can claim this precious promise from God. And notice the promise goes in several directions. First of all, to the people. He said, if my people, if my people. God's people are addressed here, not the nation at large. Just God's people within the nation. The nation of Israel had believers and unbelievers. Just as America has believers and unbelievers. The message, God says, if my people. My people. He's talking about believers. And as we apply this to America, believers in America. He's not talking about all those crazy unbelievers out there. He's talking about us. If my people, God's people must be right with Him. And then notice the promise. God will hear our prayers. God will forgive our sins. God will heal our land. Who here does not want God to heal our land? I I can't imagine you don't want God to heal our land. You must be able to see that our land is sick, sick, sick. But we have this promise, if God's people will do what we're supposed to do, the promise is God will hear us, God will forgive us, God will heal us. Our land is in trouble. And it has been for a long time. But our land is not right because God's people aren't right. So we see the promise is for the people. Then we see the promise. Let's look thirdly at the particulars. This word and is so important. And is the operative word. If my people called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Each requirement must be fulfilled for the promise to take effect. We must humble ourselves and we must pray and we must seek his face and we must turn from our wicked ways. Who's he talking to? His people. You and I. National repentance begins with individual repentance. National repentance begins with individual repentance. Now, my friends, revivals are not brought about by great preachers, but by God's people. God's people praying and living righteously. You may have studied about some great revivals our nation has had in the past. Sometimes they're called the Great Awakenings. And they always say, well, so-and-so preached and there was a Great Awakening. And so-and-so else preached and there was a Great Awakening. Hear me now. Revivals are not brought by great preachers, but by God's people praying and living righteously. our nation has experienced multiple awakenings or revivals in our history. Every one of those revivals began with God's people praying. The first great awakening inspired political freedom, sparking the American Revolution in the 1730s. The second great awakening inspired personal freedom, resulting in the Civil War in the 1820s. The Third Great Awakening inspired spiritual freedom, igniting foreign missions activity in 1858 and so on. The Fourth Great Awakening inspired civil freedom, launching the civil rights movement in the 1960s and 70s. So every time God's people got together and prayed for real, God sent a Great Awakening, God sent a revival. And each one of these revivals brought freedom, whether political freedom, personal freedom, spiritual freedom... Or civil freedom? Will there be a fifth great awakening? Will there be a fifth revival in our nation? I don't know. I hope so. But if there is a fifth revival, if there is a fifth great awakening, what freedom will it bring? Perhaps total freedom. Total freedom at the rapture. Where believers receive freedom from these bodies. Freedom from this world. And thank God, freedom from our sin. Perhaps the fifth great awakening, the fifth revival in the United States brought about by God's people praying will bring the rapture. Am I predicting that? No. I'm saying. Every time there's been a great awakening, it's brought freedom. And there could be a fifth great awakening. And it could bring the freedom that we as believers can't wait for. We need revival in America. We need revival in America. We all bemoan the spiritual state of America. Can you believe how bad it's getting? This is nothing new. Look what Thomas Jefferson said, our third president. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that His justice cannot sleep forever. You know what Thomas Jefferson was doing all those many years ago? He was bemoaning the spiritual state of America. And it hadn't got any better, I assure you. Personal revival comes from personal revival. Remember, if my people who are called by my name. You know, talk about all them people out there. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I'll hear from heaven. Then I will heal their land. Perhaps you're here today and you're not in need of personal revival. Because you've never been brought to life in the first place. You might be here today and you're in need of personal salvation. You've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Savior. You never believed that He died on the cross to pay for your sins. That He was buried for your sins. And the third day He rose again from the dead. Maybe that's where you need to start. You don't need revival. That means to bring back to life. You don't need revival till you've been revived, brought to life in the first place. And life only comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You can invite Him into your heart right where you're sitting, later on right where you're standing. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe You died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe You were buried and You rose again the third day. Come into my heart, be my Savior. And He will bring you to life. You will be what Jesus said, born again. Born again. And then, you can help the rest of us for, hope for, look for national revival. But remember, national revival comes from personal revival. We as the people of God, we must be right with God. If we are not right with God, how do we expect unbelievers to get right with God? We need to be right with God first. And then we can claim that wonderful promise from God. America is a Christian nation. It was last 4th of July I preached a sermon about how America is a Christian nation. America is a Christian nation. We were founded as a Christian nation, but not every American is a Christian, okay? Just because you live in America, that's a wonderful blessing. That doesn't make you a Christian. Well, Brother Gary, what makes me a Christian then? I have a birth certificate that says I was born in America. You become a Christian not by not being American by receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And so America is a Christian nation. You are only a Christian if you invite Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Savior. So I want to ask you very directly, are you a Christian? I'm not asking if you're American. I'm not asking if you're a member of this church. I'm not asking if you put money in the offering plate. I'm not asking you, but I'd like to. You're going to clean up this mess up here. I am asking you... I'm asking you, are you a Christian? Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? We talk a lot about being free in America. And we are free. Once Jesus is your Savior, you won't just be free. You will be, as he said, free indeed. And free forever. And if there is a fifth great awakening, and if that does usher in the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ, when I go up, you're going up with me. And we will spend eternity in heaven. So this morning, from Jeremiah, we looked at how the nation of Judah, they exchanged the true God for false gods. Who would do that? America. Then we see that they forgot about God. Judah forgot about God. Who would do that? America. What about returning to God? If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. I will heal their land. You and I as the people of God. And not just us in this church. That the people of God hold the key to the healing from God. Let's get right with God. You might be a Christian here, but you might not be right with God. Get right with God. If you're not a Christian, you need to become a Christian and then make sure you're right with God. If you are a Christian, get right with God. We can start saving our nation from these pews right here. a nation. We've exchanged God as a nation. We've forgotten God. But as a nation, we can return to God. But it all begins with God's people. Are you a child of God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ? If not, during this invitation, invite Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Savior. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, but you're not right with Him, and you know what that is. I don't know what that means for you, but you're not right with Him. Get right with Him. And let's save this great land, the United States of America. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the example Judah set. Oh yeah, they set a bad example and we're following it to a T. But may we return to you and may you heal our land. If there's any here who need to be saved this morning, give them grace and faith to believe. Those of us who are saved, if we're not right with you, get us right with you. Save our nation. Heal our land, but all for your glory in Jesus' name.